Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Honored to be with you tonight. We have a fantastic show. As you know, this is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen, and we bring you the stories and the perspectives that the mainstream media so often ignore or seek to cancel. Tonight, we've got a fantastic lineup, starting with Pastor Daryl Scott. Uh, Pastor Scott, as you know, he's joined us here before. He's pastor of the New Spirit Revival Center. He served as the Nash on the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. He's the author of Nothing to Lose, and perhaps most importantly, he's the host of SmackDown with Pastor Daryl Scott. It airs on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern here on Real America's Voice. So, Pastor, I got to ask you, Joe Biden came in. He called for unity, but started with impeachment. He said that it was up to all Americans, but he kept Americans away from his inauguration with fences and barbed wire. He started by killing 11,000 jobs, by killing the Keystone XL pipeline. Quite a start. What do you think, Pastor? Listen, Joe right now is doing what Joe do. (laughs) 47 years up there. And listen, you know... uh, here we are. Joe started off with the bang. He signed so many executive orders, I can't keep track of them. I mean, that's he's not going through Congress. He's not going through Senate. I'm nope. Joe out here. I do what I want to do. What does Joe do? First thing he does, he allows transgenders to compete in women's sports so that the ex-men that are now women can go in women's bathrooms and have an unfair physical advantage over women. Then he relaxed any restrictions on abortioners. Then Joe turned around. He's offered Mexico $4 billion to do a study as to why migrants are trying to sneak into the United States. Now, do you think four billion, Do you think actually that somebody's going to do a study with their $4 billion or whoever gets that check is going to cut it up with whoever they cut it up with? Then they asked Joe about COVID. And what did Joe say? Listen, there's nothing we can do to stop the trajectory. It's going to keep on doing what it's been doing. In other words, I don't have a plan. Right. Joe issued a mass mandate, which Joe immediately broke. You know why? what Joe is saying? Do what I... Don't do what I do. Do what I tell you to do. So Joe's off to a rousing start. But most of all, the biggest transgression so far is this. Joe still has not invited Black Lives Matter (laughs) to the table for a seat. That's so, hey. <laughs> crazy. You know, Pastor Scott, you guys are having so much fun on, Sm- on SmackDown, and you've got insight, you've got great guests, you're bringing people together. I want to make sure that all of our viewers get a chance to see uh, what you're doing. You're having fun, you're making waves. Let me play a piece, just a piece of last weekend's show here. Go ahead and roll that, guys. Hey, listen, there's been a lot going on this week, so what we're going to do right now on SmackDown is we're going to have a chronological recap of this week's events. It started out last Monday. Last Monday, even though a lot of people don't know about it, last Monday there was another Black Lives Matter riot in New York City. Uh, The report said that there were dozens arrested. And, you know, Black Lives Matter was like, hey, wait a minute. 
arrested. What happened to our black immunity? What what happened to the national police stand down order? But they don't realize the party is over and the mural on the street is gone. Come on, man. This is look, I don't know what they thought that somehow <laughs> or another they would be able to uh, burn and pillage and and just run with reckless abandon It's because they were given the stand on orders. But now the election is over. So it's what the, the textbooks call useful idiots are no longer being used anymore because it's, they don't need them anymore. And they're leaving them at the uh, at the dance, so to speak. All right. Then Tuesday on Tuesday, President Donald J. Trump and his final act of racism as president of the United States. He signed pardons for several high-profile black and some no-profile black people as well. Little Wayne, Kodak Black, Kwame Kilpatrick, a Democrat, a black Democrat from Michigan, and Michael Harris, former CEO of Def Jam. In his final act of racism, he signed pardons and sentence commutations for those and a number of other blacks. And he also signed a pardon for uh, our very own Steve Bannon, which the stuff that was against him was a bunch of garbage anyway. It's it's like we, we've said a thousand times. Somebody needs to teach this grand wizard of the Klan some racism lessons. <laughs> <laughs> because it seems like the, the more things he does, it shows that all of it was just a made-up sham manufactured in the media like we've always known. Because a true racist would have never pardoned these individuals. In fact, I'm happy for some of them. And you know what? Let me tell you something a little funny. I can throw some little funny anecdotes. One day I was at home and mm -hmm. Jared called me and he said, Do you know who Little Wayne is? I said, Yeah, do you? Uh uh. <laughs> I'm like, Jared, come on, man. You don't know who Little Wayne is? Because he said, Well, he wants to come out and endorse the boss. Do you think that'd be a good endorsement? I said, Heck yeah, that'd be a good sure. endorsement. But I couldn't fault Jared for not knowing who Little Wayne was, because if they called me asking about some country western singers exactly. or, or something, I wouldn't know who they were. Okay, then Wednesday, here we go. Uh, the president said farewell. He had his farewell address from Andrews Air Force Base. He went there from the White House on Marine One, and then he took Air Force One down to Palm Beach, where he received a hero's welcome. Now, let me give you a little backstory behind that. Usually, you know, the president is supposed to wait until after the inauguration, then he flies off on Marine One, and we don't know where he's going from there and all that. But President Trump said, bump that. You know, one thing you can't do, you can never get that guy. You never can get him. He's too sharp. He knew that once you say that oath of office, once you transfer the power, you are no longer president, and you don't have the authority to command a ride on Air Force One or Marine One or anything like that. He would have had to ask permission from Joe Biden for the ride on Marine One. Yeah, no, President Trump ain't asking nobody for permission for nothing. No, he didn't want to have to ask permission. And I don't blame him because I didn't want, he didn't want Joe to be in the position to tell him no to grandstand. Come on, help me, man. It's, it's 5D chess that he, he always plays. He's always ahead yeah. of these lefties because they don't get it. And for certain, as petty as they are, he would have probably told him no or something silly like yeah. that would have gone off. But I'm glad the president was way ahead of them. And he went out, as we say, like a G that like he is. A G. <laughs> he, went, he went out like a G. And, um, and then Biden had to uh, resort to some other things. But the bottom yeah, line but wait is... Wait a minute, hold up. What did Biden do? Biden came in how? 
on a private, <laughs> private plane. Mr. Climate I Change, thought, yeah, that's proponent <laughs> advocate Biden, isn't isn't uh, private plane travel one of the worst offenders Carbon when it comes offenders. to climate change? That's right. All right, so that's from SmackDown. Everybody can see why I'm a huge fan of the show. So, Pastor Scott, we got Joe Biden. He stands up in front of the Lincoln Memorial. He just signed an executive order saying that if you showed up, if you showed up to the Lincoln Memorial without a mask, you'd be in violation. But he doesn't need to wear one. There's this tremendous dissonance between rhetoric coming out of Joe Biden and the reality that they're showing. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, I don't even think Joe remembered that he signed the order against that. <laughs> think about this. Joe signed about three orders, and he had a whole stack. He signed about three and was out of gas. <laughs> he was like, I'm not doing it anymore. And, you know, when they questioned him about something, he said, come on, man, give me a break. And he got up. But, you know, that's par for the course for Joe and the Democrats. It's a double standard. Uh, there's one standard for the American public. There's another right. standard for the Democratic Party, and Joe illustrated it very succinctly. And there are a lot of people right now that have buyer's remorse, yes. especially a number of unions that supported him. Uh, Pastor Scott, that the Pipe Fitters him. Union, the Pipe Fitters Union endorsed Joe Biden, and the first thing he did when he got into office was he killed the Keystone XL pipeline, killed off 11,000 jobs. What do you, what do you make of this? Yeah, he killed 11,000 jobs, 11,000 actual jobs, yes. another 60 or 70,000 potential jobs. Right. Justin Trudeau is standing there looking like a fool because he hurt Canada too. Yes. And Justin kissed up to him while, right. you know, disrespecting President Trump. And now he's standing there looking stupid. And there are a lot of people, once again, that have buyer's remorse that are, that are saying, I, I, I wish I had not have voted for Joe Biden because he got him and he got him good. Yeah, he, he, mo he most certainly did. And I think, you know, there were some talk, some people thought, well, you know, maybe Joe Biden's going to be a centrist when he's in office. It certainly looks to me like he came right out of the gate, and it's very clear that the left wing of that party is pushing a big part of Joe Biden's agenda. I mean, this was a leftist agenda. Paris Climate Accords, killing the Keystone XL pipeline. I, to me, it looks like it's pretty clear who's in charge there. And now, look, we're already being insulted. ISIS did a, uh, is back out. Oh, they're right. like, Biden's elected good. They came high, sneaking back out the caves they were hiding in. China's flying warships over Taiwan now. Yep. They're testing the waters because they knew Obama was soft, and they're going to see if Biden is soft as well. And what's the worst thing that uh, suburban housewives and a number of others that didn't vote for Trump, the worst thing they can say is, we didn't like his tweets. You didn't like his tweets. Don't read them. Don't look at it. <laughs> right. Because now they're seeing that, they're, you know, America is, is dangerous right now. This entire globalist agenda is resurfacing. And here's what people don't understand about globalism. Globalism, globalism endeavors to level the playing field across the entire planet mm -hmm. and make all of the uh, countries, so to speak, equal. But in doing so, globalism seeks to reduce America. Yep. But the reduction of America does not result in the elevation of other countries. Correct. All it does is make the entire world go, uh, go down because as America goes, so goes the world. He's trying to reduce us to a, the levels of a third world country. I don't know what's on that man's mind. Whatever they're telling him to do in that earpiece, that's what he's doing. I mean, 
You saw what he did. Yes. He was walking along. If he's telling him, turn left, Joe. Joe, turn, turn right, <laughs> Joe. Turning left. And salute right. to Marines, Joe. And <laughs> when, when they say turn left, Pastor Joe, turn Scott, left. We're coming, turn right. We're coming salute right Marines. Against, we're coming right up against the break. But, folks, that's Pastor Daryl Scott. He's the host of SmackDown. It airs on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern right here on Real America's Voice. Tune in this Saturday. We'll be right back with more on Actionable Intelligence. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Reitens. And on this show, we like to bring you the perspectives that so often the mainstream media seeks to silence. And I'm glad that we're joined now by Mike Howell. Mike is a senior advisor for executive branch relations at the Heritage Foundation. Now, Mike previously served in the Trump administration's Department of Homeland Security. Mike, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Now, Mike, you've studied border and immigration issues for a long time, and you've been clear that Biden's agenda, his immigration agenda, as you've said, is, is extreme and unprecedented. Now, please tell our viewers who haven't had a chance to read through the Biden policy documents, who haven't been a par- chance to be part of these briefings, what's inside Biden's immigration agenda for America? So there's a lot there, and there's a big reason this is their top priority. Uh, Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris, said so in an interview with Univision, the mm-hmm. largest Spanish-speaking channel in, in the country, where it was their first and foremost priority. So first time in U.S. history where an administration's priority has been non-Americans. Well, this is the crown jewel for them. Uh, they want to fundamentally change this country forever, and they can for political purposes. They want massive amnesty, which means forgiveness of of removal for everyone illegally in the country, and furthermore, to add them to the voting rolls. They want to do that because they think it'll flip red states blue. This is part and parcel to the larger agenda of of adding new states or packing the Supreme Court. Immigration is the first one they're going with because it can later make all of that easier when you add in all of these new voters, many of whom will be reliant on government programs, which the left seeks to grow. Now, there's a lot of ways the Biden administration has hit the ground running on this front. Mm-hmm. I think most importantly is this ICE stand-down order. It is by far the most radical order ever given to federal law enforcement in United States history. It is essentially asking Immigration and Customs Enforcement, you know, those who remove people legally in the country, to stand down for 100 days. This would apply to about 95% of their removals. Now, there are small, small exceptions for the worst of the worst. Think, you know, spies or, or those who are deemed a, a imminent national security threat. But it, it doesn't apply to or it, it protects a lot of criminal aliens that will be released back into our communities. So it's something about 10,000 a month if we're going off last year's number. Criminal aliens that will be released back into our streets. Now, thankfully, a federal judge in Texas, a Trump appointee, I will add, struck this down with a temporary restraining order. So there's 14 days where they can't implement this and and the courts are going to look at it. But once we move away from the interior, they're also opening the border. Now they're doing this in a few ways. 
One of the ways is stopping the construction of new wall. These are existing wall contracts and money already funded by Congress. So the result of a lot of horse trading and deal making in Congress, and you know, our representatives agreed to build wall. The contractors were there, the land was surveyed, it was ready to go up. The Biden administration is saying, stop it, we're not doing any more. Keep in mind, there's a lot of cost with stopping contracts yeah. and yeah. not to build wall, but they're gonna do one more than that. Alejandro Mayorkas, the nominee for secretary, told the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee during his hearing that if it was legal, they would explore tearing down existing walls. It's just a matter of whether they need to check with their lawyers. And we all know what lefty lawyers can come up with. We saw it with all the judges in the uh, Trump administration who were striking down things left and right off their policy preferences. So it's a real danger. They're also going to end the Remain in Mexico program. This is essentially the program where people waiting to come into the, need to wait in Mexico while their claims are heard for asylum. Now, the reason this makes sense is because when we release people into the interior, they don't show up for their hearings for the most part. Now, asylum is this really humanitarian relief program that has been completely exploited uh, as a means for illegal immigration. Economic migrants essentially claim that they fit into a specific category of persecution in their home country based on a, a particular affiliation, you know, a political party, a religious group, etc. So they're well coached by NGOs and those in the left to uh, apply for the asylum program, because essentially, if you apply, then you could get in and, and not show up for your hearing. Well, Biden's getting rid of this whole weight in Mexico. And, and so what we're going to see is catch and relief is back, and it's back on a huge scale. And the reason it's going to be on a huge scale is because everyone south of the border knows what Biden as a president means. It means you can get in, and mm -hmm. you better get in before the amnesty gets out, because you need to get in to get those goodies. So we're already seeing caravans mobilizing, chanting Biden, 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 and then messaging from the White House that essentially says, hold on, don't come now. Let us get set up first so we can get you in then. The only reason they want to do that is because they know the immigration legislation that they seek to pass uh, will be much harder if there's a border crisis. But it's too late. They're coming. They heard the message loud and clear. And so it's so important that we as conservatives absolutely stand up and fight against this massive amnesty for 11 million. Because all it'll do... If we grant amnesty to 11 million, uh, it is beget more amnesty. It means more will come in the future. We need to solve this problem once and for all, and we do not need these far left open border solutions to it. Awesome, and Mike, so much there. Let's break down a couple of those pieces. Really, really appreciate that, that analysis, and I know that our viewers do. First of all, give our viewers a sense, because you served in the Department of Homeland Security, of what can happen when you have a radical secretary, what they can do to kind of push a leftist and the, the open borders, full amnesty agenda that you've described that, that Biden has. Just give our viewers a sense for the powers that a Department of Homeland Security secretary has, all the things that they might do, you know, once they're actually uh, in, in place. I'm so glad you asked this question because it's very timely as the Senate voted out the nominee of committee today. So he's heading to the full floor to vote. So we need to be talking about what he will do. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't have to guesstimate on this. We know because he has told us. He told us that he will execute the Biden plan to shut down ICE. Now, they, they, it's 100 days right now, but if it makes sense for 100 days, why doesn't it make sense for longer? Right. I think it's real dangerous. It's, it's one step further than defunding ICE or, you know, the police. It's just tell them to shut down. You don't need to defund them if you just tell them not to show up to work. It's an end around on the system. 
Another major thing is this nominee, Alejandro Mayorkas, was the architect of the uh, illegal and unconstitutional Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, or also DACA. So we know how he feels about immigration policy and enforcement. Instead of enforcing the law, he'll create new categories of protected classes removed from deportation. All this will do is, is create another surge. It is not the humane way of approaching immigration as they like to frame it. There is nothing humane about keeping the cartels south of the border in business mm -hmm. for their human smuggling, which includes the rape, torture, and killing of women and children, as well as extortion. There is nothing humane about keeping those folks in business. And right now, they're cheering at what's going on right now. And that's a shame. And, and what the secretary will also do is crush crush the morale of ICE and Border yeah. Patrol. Yeah. These folks are some of the bravest men and women I've ever had the uh, fortune to work with. They are great patriots and they put their lives on the line. When you essentially have a president who's going in and, and agreeing with the AOCs of the world who are likened these people to Nazis and agreeing with her by shutting their actions down and their jobs down, morale is going to crush. And that is terrible for what we're asking these men and women to do. Many of them have, you know, it is not an easy job being on Border Patrol. Long times away from your family. Same thing with ICE. Yep. You're in danger yep. all the time. So they need our support, not a secretary that's telling them their jobs don't matter. And it's time actually for the Senate to step up and go on record on this. If you are a senator considering the, the, the nominee, this is your opportunity to say loudly and clearly, do you support open borders and do you support amnesty? There is no confusion about what will happen if this nominee is confirmed. So every senator's vote for this nominee is a proxy vote for open borders and amnesty. Yeah. Luckily today, uh, five Republicans voted no to proceed out of committee, but two voted yes. So that means we have a lot of work to do on this front. Awesome. And Mike, let's also, I want to follow up on this really important part, part, point you're making about ICE and the Border Patrol. These men and women, they go out every single day. They are out there on the front lines. They do what is often dangerous work. They do it to protect their fellow Americans. And the head of the Department of Homeland Security is essentially their boss. Obviously, they at the end of the day, they work for the Commander-in-Chief. They work for Joe Biden. And he is essentially telling them to freeze work. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to freeze ICE from going about doing their job, which is simply enforcing the laws that the elected representatives of the people of the United States of America have already passed. Now, Mike, on, on a special that's airing here on Real America's Voice at 6 p.m., it's, it's going to be coming up here. It's called Hold the Line. It's about holding on to conservatives' achievements. I know you're going to be talking there on the special, but give our viewers a little bit of a preview in the last 60 seconds we have. What's at stake for America? Right. I'll start off by saying now's not the time just to be, you know, upset about things that are happening. We as conservatives have gotten a lot accomplished over the last four years, and there is a lot to protect, and we have a positive vision to offer this country. There is no better contrast to what's going on with the radicalism emanating out of this administration than a positive conservative agenda. President Trump achieved so much and laid out a, a full spectrum on, on every issue of areas in which we can champion. And so we're seeking to build on that. We're seeking to, to create new coalitions and continue the great work that conservatives have done to go into new places where they haven't been before. So we're, we're, we're seeing this opportunity 
as one of the greatest of, of our time. It's not the time to shrink away. It's the time to really lean in and push forward. And we're excited about talking about it a lot more tomorrow. Awesome. Well, folks, again, that's Mike Howell. He's a senior advisor at the Heritage Foundation. You can tell from his lucid analysis. He's also a graduate of Duke University, which is also my, my alma mater. But you can catch him here on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern for the Just the News special Hold the Line, Renew, Rebuild, Resurge. It is right here on Real America's Voice. And you can also check out more from Mike Howell. He's got some great pieces up at Heritage, Heritage's website. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Pete Mundo from Kansas City, Missouri. Stay right with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. As you know, we've got a fantastic lineup here, a series of great shows on Real America's Voice, including Just the News AM with Carrie Sheffield. And she had a really important interview that you're going to want to hear with Larry Elder earlier today. We're going to go ahead and roll a clip of that right now. Focus on three things. Belief in God belief in myself, and my belief in the United States of America. Being a black conservative is just natural. It's what my family raised us on. Faith, family, individual responsibility, education, service to the nation, an entrepreneurial mind. Being a business owner in America is one of the greatest privileges of being an American. I think black Americans should believe and uphold the ideas of constitutional inherent rights. I always felt that if I worked hard, that I could overcome the circumstances of my life. I never felt that because I was black or I was poor or a woman that I couldn't do something. Humans are naturally conservative. You grow up being told to work hard for what you got. You don't, you don't grow up being told you're going to get something because you just want it. Like, you ain't got to work for it. But Democrats, they say, hey, we give you everything for free. That ain't reality. And the executive producer of this film joins me, Larry Elder. Good morning, Larry. Morning, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Good to have you. So let's talk about economics here, because you put out an op-ed, you wrote it uh, for the Toronto Sun, and you said that my documentary is blacklisted by Hollywood. You are not alone. Shelby Still put out a documentary last year. It was looking at what killed Michael Brown. He's a black conservative as well, and he looked at the death, the tragic shooting death in the St. Louis area of Michael Brown, and he questioned the liberal orthodoxy, but he was banned from Amazon. And there's just a lot of pushback economically. So let me ask you something. Thing, Larry, because Hollywood always loves to say it's all about diversity. It, uh, you know, the, the, the Hollywood, the Emmy's so white, things like that, the Grammy's so white. They want to make sure there's more diversity in Hollywood. And here you have what's happened to you. You say you were blacklisted. First of all, tell us, how were you blacklisted? And then how do you square this up with what Hollywood says it wants to promote? Well, Carrie, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm born in the hood. So you'd think that Larry Elder would be a great success story for uh, the LA Times and the local trade papers around here. I've written several books. Two of them have made the Los Angeles Times bestseller list, Carrie. I've never had any of my books reviewed by the Los Angeles Times. Uh, and of course, Uncle Tom has not been reviewed by the LA Times or any other, other major trade publications. 
my suspicion is it's because I'm a black conservative, and that's probably the worst thing you can be in America. Uncle Tom has a higher IMDb rating, International Movie Database rating, than any of the last 10 films that have won the Academy Award uh, for Best Documentary, except for one, which has the same rating uh, as Uncle Tom does. It was called OJ in America, made a few years ago, had an 8.9 rating. Uh, Uncle Tom has an 8.9 rating. Every other film that won the Oscar in the last 10 years had a lower international movie database rating uh, than Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you know anything at all about movies, Rotten Tomatoes is brutal. It's a uh, way that anybody who wants to uh, comment on a film can do so. So anybody can write in and say something. And 96% uh, rating on R Rotten Tomatoes is literally off the chart. Now, there have been three major uh, movie lists at the end of the year, best documentary. Probably the most prominent is something called Indie Wire. And they listed all the films they thought were prominent films, documentaries in 2020. And of course, Uncle Tom, not there. Never mind, none of the movies on the list has an IMDb rating higher than Uncle Tom. Uh, and the measure of a commercially successful movie, Carrie, in Hollywood is if your movie does three times its cost. So far and counting, Uncle Tom has done seven times its cost. No review in Daily Variety, no review in Hollywood Reporter, no review in the New York Times, LA Times, Philadelphia Inquirer. I could go on and on and on. The only person who's reviewed, who's commented on the film from any major publication had been a guy named John Cass, K-A-S-S, who is a political commentator. He writes for the Chicago Tribune, and his column was about how Uncle Tom is being ignored by the left. So nobody has really done a film review uh, of Uncle Tom, who's a non-conservative in any of the non-conservative trade publications. And we're afraid that Uncle Tom is going to be blacklisted uh, come uh, Academy Awards ceremony. The votes are going on right now. But because Uncle Tom has been ignored by so many uh, trade publications, a lot of people who vote probably don't even know about the film. So that's Larry, what I'm let really me ask you, have you been banned by any of the commercial companies? So you're available on Amazon Prime, you're available at Walmart, you're on iTunes. Have you been banned from any technology platforms so people can't see what you're produced? No, uh, I have, like, like a lot of conservatives, lost a lot of uh, my followers on Twitter in the last two weeks. I've lost over 100,000. Uh, and one of the... Uh, 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 Sites I partner with is a is a company called Epoch Times, E P O C H. Uh, their entire uh, uh, channels on YouTube have now been demonetized. It happened a couple of days ago, so I've had that. But Uncle Tom, surprisingly enough, has made it on as you pointed out, Amazon Prime, Walmart Online, uh, iTunes. It's not made it on Netflix. I was told Netflix is not likely to pick it up because they're so left wing, and Netflix uh, Netflix was not interested in Uncle Tom at all. Larry, do you think there's an opening for a conservative Netflix? Because the same thing happened, as I mentioned, with the Shelby Still documentary that questioned being a black conservative and saying, hey, maybe there's something here. That was banned from Netflix, too. Do you think there's an opening for conservative Netflix? I certainly hope so. Again, we tried, but they were not interested at all. They didn't say we're not interested because your film is conservative. They just rejected it. And right, I no, no, told, I'm saying, I'm saying, do you think we could build, would someone oh, want to build a conservative Netflix? Our own platform. That's the only answer, Carrie. We have to build our own infrastructure, our own social media platforms. And we're doing that. There's something called Gab that just came online. There's Rumble, as you know, uh, that uh, got shut down. But the only answer is not to bitch, moan, and whine about uh, how, how unfairly we're being treated, not to run to the government uh, to pass more regulations. The answer is to build our own platforms. And we have been asleep at the switch.
All right, folks, stick around. We got more with Larry Elder after this. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk more with Larry Elder about his experience. Again, that was Larry Elder on earlier today on Just the News AM. Well, we're joined now by Pete Mundo. He's the host of the Pete Mundo Morning Show on KCMO Talk Radio's weekday from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. in Kansas City, Missouri. You can hear him there. You can also follow him on Twitter. Pete, it's great to see you. How you doing? Eric, it's great to be on with you. Absolutely. Now, Pete, you've got your finger on the pulse of Kansas City, of course, but I know that you often hear from people and listeners across the country. I've talked to a lot of folks in Kansas City in the past few weeks. They are very happy about the Kansas City Chiefs, not so happy about Kansas City schools and the coronavirus restrictions in place there. Give our viewers a sense for what's happening on the ground there. Well, what you're seeing, Eric, is I think what you're seeing in a lot of parts of this country where the poorest school districts, the places where parents either both have to work, maybe it's a single parent who's got to go to a yeah. job, who's got two kids at home, their schools are shut down, right? Yeah. Their schools, they, they don't even have the option. There's no hybrid. The schools aren't open. But then if you go to some of the suburban areas where you are likely to have more money, where people maybe have a parent at home who can help out with the kids, whatever it might be. Uh, they're open or they're at least a hybrid model. So the the wealth gap uh, that we always hear about in this country that that obviously does exist uh, is only going to get worse. And that is what is so ironic and hypocritical about what we're hearing right now. The people that are pushing this are the same ones who preach equity. Yet when it comes to schools, they are some of the safest places to be right now. Duke and UNC just had a study they came out yeah. with a couple of weeks ago. 100,000 students, teachers studied over nine weeks, zero child to teacher transmissions, 36 transmissions of kids to kids or teachers to teachers out of 100,000 people over nine weeks. Yet these kids can't get in schools. It's horrible. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's so disturbing to so many people is, as you pointed out, these studies have demonstrated what the actual effects are. So it feels to them, not only is it irrational, but also the sheer lack of compassion to not be able to identify with so many families who have lost their jobs because of coronavirus restrictions, small business owners who've been hurt by it. And as you pointed out, sometimes the communities and the families that are struggling the most and are now struggling the most because of these continued restrictions. Pete, I also want to get quickly, get your thoughts. Kansas City's got a great police chief in Rick Smith. They've got outstanding officers, but it, it was a tough, long summer of anti-police violence around the country. We saw leftist attacks against the police. You saw a lot of establishment Republicans who are paralyzed by cowardice. You are often talking with law enforcement officers, and you talk with a lot of citizens who support law enforcement. What are you hearing as we head into 2021? Well, you're right. Uh, we have a great police chief in Rick Smith here in Kansas City, and, and he is in a no-win situation. He is constantly under attack by left-wing groups, by the media here in town, the Kansas City Star and others, as if he is somehow the problem. You would think that not the criminals, right? Not the people breaking the law. It's Rick Smith and his police department who is somehow the bad guys in all of this. Uh, we, unfortunately, in Kansas City broke a record this year for our homicides 176 was the final tally up from 151 last year. 
And the other thing that makes this unique here in Kansas City, and you know this very well, Eric, yep. uh, we do not have local control of our police department. Right. It is run through a board appointed by the governor in Missouri. And uh, it has worked out, I think, pretty well. This city council has done nothing to warrant uh, control of this police department. Right. We hope it will remain that way. And um, we are dealing with a lot of the problems that many big cities in this country are dealing with right now. Yeah, and you do have, they are absolutely incredible police officers there in, in Kansas City. I've had the honor of working out with them, of being on the ground with them, of talking with them. They're fantastic. All right, Pete, 30 seconds, completely unbiased question now for you. Let all of our viewers around the country know exactly how and why the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. 20 seconds, sir. All right. We'll give you one. I'll give you one guy. Number 15, Patrick Mahomes. He's going to take care of it. He's the next GOAT. Tom Brady is done. This will be the end of Tom Brady and the beginning of the Patrick Mahomes dynasty in Kansas City. Fantastic. Folks, that's Pete Mundo. He's host of the Pete Mundo Morning Show on KCMO Talk Radio weekdays from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. in Kansas City, Missouri. But he also talks about a lot of important national issues. Tune in and check him out. Now, coming up next, big developments from Just the News Editor-in-Chief John Solomon, who has been digging through declassified documents. He's been here all night. You're going to want to stay right here. Stay with us. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. As promised, we're joined now by John Solomon. He is the founder and editor-in-chief at Just the News. Right now, number one trending story at justthenews.com is declassified the Russia informant transcript that the FBI did not want Americans to see. You can go to justthenews.com and check it out right now. John, if you could give our viewers a brief on what's in that story. Yep, this is uh, an informant's transcript. Stefan Halper, we've known him to be an yes. informant. We knew generally that he had interacted with Carter Page, the target of the Russian investigation, but we didn't really know what they talked about and what the FBI recorded on a surreptitious recording. He was wearing a wire, uh, Stefan Halper was. This is October 17, 2016. Why is that important? It's four days before the FBI is going to go to the FISA court and say, yes. give us the permission to spy in the Trump campaign. Get that, give us that FISA warrant. Four days before, they want to test all the allegations that they've collected against uh, Carter Page. Remember, those came from our, uh, Christopher Steele, the MI6 agent. Yes. So they think this guy is credible. We're going to test it out. And they write in their memo, if Carter Page acknowledges this, we're going to keep the investigation going. If he knocks it down, we're going to stop the investigation, mm. move on to another target. So they run up against, they run the informant up against uh, Carter Page, and he denies all four of the things that Christopher Steele alleged. I didn't meet with those Russians. I didn't have a role in changing the platform. We didn't have anything to do with WikiLeaks dumping Hillary Clinton's emails on and on. The FBI the, uh, informant goes back several times to try to test it. You sure now? And he tries to trick him into admitting stuff. Carter Page knocks it down cold. You'd think the FBI at that point would follow its rules and say, right. move on. We're definitely not going to ask for that FISA. You'd be wrong, though. They went to the FISA court, and they knowingly and willfully lied to the FISA court. They told them, we have good reason to believe Carter Page met with those Russians, did this on the WikiLeaks, did that uh, on the um, uh, platform, the Republican National Committee platform. They misled the court. 
while this exculpatory evidence was kept hidden, not only from the court, not only from the Congress, but from the American public for four years. Wow. And John, your previous reporting, which we've talked about, you've already have documents in Christopher Steele's own words admitting that oh, the yeah. whole beginning of this dossier was because they wanted to distract from Hillary Clinton's email, that's email right. scandal. That's again, that's exclusive at justthenews.com. That's right. And then what you've also got now is you've got the FBI running an informant. He goes in to test the the reasons that they're going to spy on Americans and they find out that they have no reason to do so That's right. but they actually hide this document it's really extraordinary you know when you when yeah. you see something like this sometimes you you know you want to overreact as a reporter so what i went yeah. i start to call former career officials at the FBI yes. reached out to Kevin Brock the former yes. chief of intelligence for the FBI when Bob Mueller ran the FBI very yeah. respected by all sides in, in Washington and i said Kevin if you have this, you're running the counterintelligence division, this comes in, what do you do? He said, you shut it down. Right. Uh, and if not, you certainly say, tell the FISA court, hey, we got this exculpatory information. He could not believe that the FBI proceeded. One of their career experts in the world of intelligence calling out the FBI. Uh, I've heard from dozens of FBI agents today since the story broke. They say this may be the worst of the smoking guns of what wow. the FBI did wrong. When James Comey and Andy McCabe were running the FBI, they were not following their own rule book. It's just, it's, treme it's tremendous abuse. Now, John, I will say, you've been here every night, late at night. You are pouring through declassified yeah. documents, and you're doing that to bring these stories to the, to the American people. Yeah. What else are you learning? Listen, this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity to get yes. inside how the FBI works and how they can potentially infringe on American civil liberties. Yes. Uh, uh, Carter Page is a victim here. Donald Trump's campaign was a victim. They should never yes. have been spied on based on the evidence. Tomorrow... We're going to turn to a different part of the Russia collusion investigation. Not collusion, but remember, the Democrats tried to build, and the FBI tried to build, an obstruction case. Right. Bob Mueller said, hey, when uh, James Comey was fired, the FBI might have been trying to obstruct uh, uh, the, or excuse me, Donald Trump might have been obstructing the FBI. That's March of 2017. We're going to put out some FBI notes tomorrow, senior officials, contemporaneous, typewritten, that reveal that the plan to fire Comey was not engendered in May of 2017 during the heat of the Russian investigation. It went all the way back to January, months before the president was upset, and it started with Attorney General Sessions and uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Even the aura that they gave us of obstruction is now undercut by the FBI's own evidence. And multiple FBI agents wrote this. Not one. Multiple senior executives wrote this. So you've got multiple senior executives at the FBI. Your reporting is showing. And they're saying by their own notes and documents that the whole idea that President Trump was obstructing justice just didn't make sense by their own admission, their own timeline and chronology. And remember, these are the same FBI agents that then turn around and open up the obstruction probe. But they're hearing from Rod Rosenstein. Rod, Rod Rosenstein was very panicked at this moment. He had been yes. stretched this whole month. And he's telling him, listen, we were talking about this with Sessions back in January. This, this wasn't prompted by Russia. In fact, McKay, uh, 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 Rosenstein is trying to keep the president from throwing Russia into the announcement because he knows it wasn't the reason why they fired him. Right. And he can't get the president to sign off. This is, again, exculpatory evidence kept from the American people for a very long time. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I'm hearing from people that's so disturbing to them 
is the idea that this evidence, which shows that the president, that his campaign, that they were targeted, that they were spied on, that it was kept secret for so long. I mean, just it just hits people here when they think, you know what, it's a terrible thing to be to be accused. And then you have the president of the United States or the president-elect of the United States and his campaign being attacked. And yet the FBI, which people want to trust, is holding on to information that shows that they were innocent. How do people make sense of this? Well, it's not the way we expected our FBI to act. It's really yeah. not the way the FBI has acted for right. the majority of its uh, yes. historied history. But under the James Comey, Andy McCabe era, this became not the exception, but the norm. Mm. And you see something really remarkable as you're going, I, yeah, you know, all this evidence has been dropped over a long period of time. When you put it in a timeline, you see something really amazing. Mm. You see FBI agents, FBI senior leaders having leaked uh, leak conversations with reporters or leaking stuff to reporters. Yeah. You see the story come out. You see the line agent saying, that's not a true story. Our evidence doesn't say that. Start to think about this. The FBI knew the real story and someone in the FBI, because we, we see these stories quoting law enforcement officials, yes. are leaking a false story. We got Donald Trump. He's in trouble. And they didn't have it at all. In fact, the agents were going, there's nothing here. This is a big nothing burger. Yeah. It is remarkable to think the senior leadership, it is a dark black eye in, in the history of the FBI, this two or three year era, era where James Comey and Andy McCabe and the others that we've now come to know as household names, Strzok, Page, Priestap, dark era for an otherwise storied law enforcement history. You know, as governor, the FBI yes. does a lot of great things. They, they, do, they do great things. They do, they do, they do tremendous things. And, and look, a lot of people don't know that you were actually a deputy sheriff at one point. Yeah. You have strong law enforcement roots. Yeah. You're on the Blue Courage special. Like you more than anyone recognize, you know, the, the courage, the common sense, the patriotism of so many of our law enforcement agents. And I think one of the things that one wonders about, like, it seems so demoralizing have leaders of an agency purposefully leaking stories that they know to be false when the agents themselves, the guys who are on the ground, men and women working on the front lines are saying that's that's just not true. Yeah, you go through now, we have the American public led through the leak stories. Mm -hmm. You have the FISA court, the most sensitive of all of our federal courts. Why is it sensitive? The Americans who are accused don't get a right of defense, right? There's no one there defending right. them. So the FBI's on an honor system. We now know irrefutably the FISA court was misled. And now we know that the uh, Congress misled for the early part of Russia investigation. They were getting a bogus story that didn't match what the FBI had. That is very troubling. The FBI doesn't have a record of doing that before this time frame. And now we have to find out who's going to be held accountable. Or yeah. will everybody walk? Yeah. You know, we got one guy out of all the participants in this scheme been charged. Everyone else has not been charged. And we're two years into the investigation. And the FISA court, we remind all of our viewers, that's where the FBI goes if they want to spy on one of their fellow Americans. Yeah. They need to go to that court. And that court doesn't call the American and ask them for their no. defense. That The person isn't represented by someone who's assigned there. As you said, it's just an honor system where the FBI goes and they present this evidence so that they can get the permission to actually spy on their fellow Americans. And that's what happened to, to President Trump's campaign. When the new judge took over the FISA court, Judge Boesberg, recently, he really called out the FBI for dishonoring that honor system, mm -hmm. for misleading the court. And he said, anyone who had something to do with Russia can't come into my court until this gets resolved. Now, we're almost a year after that happened. Yes. Yet there's not been that much accountability. One guy's been charged right. and convicted. 
all the others who were in on this secret are still walking free and unscathed. Some of them lost their job, in fairness. Yes. But uh, we, you know, when the American people are going to want to see accountability, I hear it everywhere I go. When is someone going to be charged? Yes. You know, people ask me. Uh, I don't know the answer. I do see a very active criminal case. Hopefully the exposure of this new evidence that we're putting out at Just the News at Real America's video will help the American public see why there should be a criminal prosecution. Yeah, and, and then you, you, of course, have John Durham. Just give our viewers just a, a very quick update. We talked about this, I think it was last week, right. but quick update on where, where he's at, because he's still working. Yeah, he's been 18, 20 months into his investigation. Yeah. He's been elevated to a special counsel, gives him sort of additional powers. There is a grand jury, active grand jury investigation going on. There are some disputes behind the scenes where witnesses are fighting subpoenas and other legal issues. But all the evidence I see talking to lawyers and to witnesses, uh, law enforcement officials, very active investigation. I think we'll see the next fruits of it, if there are going to be any, between now and the end of March, first quarter of 2021. I can't imagine it dragging in much beyond that. Awesome. Well, John, we are so appreciative of you. Uh, and we you. know you've got a fantastic team and yeah. all of the team's hard work. Folks, that is the hardest working journalist in America. He and his team are digging through all of these documents every single night so that you can get those stories. They're all available at justthenews.com. And again, I will remind you, unlike other outlets at justthenews.com, they actually put the documents themselves out there so you can go you can read these stories and then you can look for yourself and see the original source documents well that's it for tonight on actionable intelligence stay right with us because after the break dr gina is coming up and she's got a great show planned for you we'll see you tomorrow night have a good one